We've lived in Oklahoma for about 16 months. When we came here from Florida, we knew we were trading hurricanes for tornadoes. And tornado season is normally May, June, around then. Uh, every Saturday at noon, the tornado warning siren goes off, or the tornado siren, I should say, goes off. And we hadn't had a tornado watch or warning until just a few days ago in October. Uh, and then a couple of days later, we had another one. Well, some people say, well, that's because of global warming. Yes, no doubt about that. Well, I'm not going to enter into that argument. Uh, a tornado can come any time of year. The conditions just need to be right. And that can happen year-round. There's been tornadoes in December in different places. And, and also, you know, maybe the big season is like May, June, but it can happen anytime. Um, and oftentimes a, a hurricane will spur a tornado. Because uh, I know when we were in Florida and dealing with hurricanes that they you know, would say that there was a tornado watch after the hurricane had just made its exit. <clears throat> so when we were still living in western New York many years ago, there was a very rare tornado there, uh, which did a lot of damage and took a few lives as well. But one thing that I need very much to remember is that God's in control, and he's not surprised. It's not like, oh, no, there's a hurricane coming, or, oh, no, look at that tornado over there, or, oh, wow, did you see it's flooding over there? No, God knows it. Okay, and I know that no matter what the weather may be, tornadoes, hurricanes, snowstorms, ice storms, whatever, he's with me, and he's watching over me. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks for that comfort that we get in knowing that you are always, always with us, no matter what's happening in our lives, that we can... Uh, Always be assured that you're you're right there. And Father, I just praise you for that. So, Lord, as we look at your word, let's uh, see how you're there to comfort, guide, protect, and just be the faithful Father that you are. Just let your Holy Spirit open our ears, our hearts, our minds for the message that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, most of us have probably been through some tragedy in our lives. Okay, the maybe unexpected death of a loved one, friend, family member, uh, whoever, uh, a miscarriage, uh, an unfaithful spouse, uh, a child that just seems to be constantly getting into trouble or dealing with things that they know they shouldn't be dealing with. And, you know, or sickness, you know, in yourself or someone else that's close to you. And when we're going through those times, you know, it's really hard for us to see any good that could come out of that. 
you know, you may ask, you know, well, how can good come from such a catastrophe in my life? Well, there's only one way, and that's God. And maybe it's happened to you, or you've seen it happen in friends, family, co-workers, whoever. It, it may not make any sense to you or to others. <clears throat> Excuse me. I remember, oh goodness, had to be 25 years ago or more, I guess, uh, a young man, uh, what, 14, 15 years old, uh, tragically drowned. And he had uh, three older sisters, his parents, and when this happened, um, because he was on life support for a few days and all, and I got to spend a lot of time with him at the hospital and all, and so I could see these people coming closer to the Lord through this, not, you know, shaking their fist and saying, you know, God, you know, why are you doing this? Uh, I mean, they had those questions, sure, but overall it was bringing them closer to the Lord because of the tragedy that they were going through. Uh, after the, the funeral and, you know, things had gotten to a new normal, um, you know, the family, uh, the, the parents anyways, started coming to church and getting involved in the church and serving the Lord. So, you know, we can see good that can come from terrible because God doesn't allow us to go through those trials for no reason. Yeah, there's always a purpose. And we maybe can't see it, maybe not for a long time. Okay, we may be going through something and maybe months or years before we see, you know, okay, I can maybe help here because I went through this six months ago, six years ago. And so maybe I can help this person get through that similar situation. So it may be a long time, but God. And that's what this message is about, but God. Now this is seen throughout the Bible, both the Old Testament, the New Testament. So we're going to look at a few things starting in Genesis, okay, in chapter 7. Okay, all the animals are loaded on the ark, okay, and except those unicorns, they didn't make it. So God shuts the door, and for 40 days and nights, okay, 24-7, for 40 days, it rains, okay, and everything outside the ark died. I cannot imagine that. You know, there's been times when You've been through, you know, like maybe two, three, four days where it seems to just rain constantly. I cannot imagine 40 days shut up in a boat of a bunch of animals. So Noah and his family had to be wondering, how long? Okay, like David in Psalm 6, verse 3 David said, my soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? And that's what 
Noah and his family had to be thinking, you know, how long are we going to have to do this? Okay, but in Genesis chapter 8, Noah gets an answer. In verse 1, it says, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. So God was not about to abandon Noah. Now, Noah may have felt that way. He may have thought, you know, what are we going to do, just float around in this big ship with these animals forever? You know, I've only got so much food here, and pretty soon some of those animals are going to want to be eating some of the other animals. And so, you know, how long? But, no, when it says, but God remembered Noah, it wasn't like he'd forgotten him. You know, not like, oh, man, we're, oh, Noah, he's still floating around in that boat. Oh, man, I forgot all about him. No, it wasn't like he'd forgotten him in that way. Not that kind of forgotten. Okay, more like, okay, now it's time to relieve Noah. But God. Looking at the last chapter of Genesis 50, Jacob has died. Joseph's brothers are afraid that now that Jacob's dead, Joseph's going to wipe them out because of what they had done. But this is what Joseph said in Genesis 50, 20. He says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Okay, the brothers thought what they had done was their plan. And that was wrong because God needed Joseph and Egypt to help in the future. Okay, not just in, in a short time, but many years down the road. So, I mean, God could have chosen a different way to get Joseph there. You know, when everything was going on and Joseph was enduring everything that he did, you know, being tossed into prison and out and back into prison again, you know, you know, Joseph could have thought, you know, hey, God, if you wanted me here in Egypt, you know, couldn't you just told me, you know, hey, Joseph, go to Egypt? But he had to endure what he did to become who God needed him to be, but God. Looking at 1 Samuel 23, we see David, and he's fleeing Saul again, or still. And David, he's hiding out. He's in the wilderness. He's in the caves, hiding from Saul, him and his men. And in verse 14 of 1 Samuel 23, this is what it says. David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. God kept David hidden from Saul. Okay, he says day after day he searched for him. Okay, so if he was in the right neighborhood, okay, I don't know how many caves were there, 
But it seemed like, you know, they maybe could have found him, but God did not give David into his hands. So God kept David alive. God kept David safe until it was time for Saul to die and for David to take over as king. But God. Psalm 73. It's a psalm of Asaph. And Asaph, you know, we see that in the, the title of different psalms. Asaph was one of David's chief musicians. Okay, so most of this psalm is talking about the demise of the ungodly. But this is what Asaph wrote in verse 26. He says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion. Okay, in other words, God's got my back. No matter what's happening, you know, whatever's happening to all these other people, these armies, these kingdoms, you know, all these other people, God is going to be my strength. Okay, it says my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. But God. So let's jump over into the New Testament and go to Acts. Okay, and this is after the believers had received the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me, Peter is talking to the crowd that is formed there. And there is both believers and non-believers. Listen to Acts 2, 22 to 24. This is Peter. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death, nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Okay, so with the, the boldness of the Holy Spirit alive now in Peter, okay, this is the same Peter that not too long ago had denied even knowing Jesus Christ. Now he's full of the Holy Spirit. And so now Peter, he's spelling out what had happened. He says, you saw what God did through Jesus. Okay, you saw the miracles. You saw the wonders. You heard the teachings. Okay, and then he said, but you listened to those wicked legalists. And then you murdered the Savior that you'd been looking for for hundreds of years. And when it was over, you thought you would hear no more about this Jesus. But God raised the Savior to life. Okay, Peter went on to tell the listeners what they needed to do to have eternal life with the Savior. And then in verse 41 of Acts 2, it says, those who accepted his message were baptized 
and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 in one day. But God. In Romans 5, Paul is telling the readers about the hope that we have because of Jesus, because of his life, his death, and his resurrection. Okay, without Jesus, we are hopeless. Without Jesus, we're flailing around under the burden of the law. So we are not only hopeless, but we're helpless and we're powerless. Then in verse 6, Paul tells us what that hope is. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? I like how verse 6 begins, at just the right time. Okay, Christ coming to earth had been planned before the beginning of time. Can you, can you just picture this? Okay, you got the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and they're talking together before creation. And Jesus says, you know, I think it's time we create something. Why don't we make some stars and, and moons and planets? And, you know, we'll make one planet that's different from all the others. And we can put all kinds of animals and plants on it. And the Holy Spirit says, you know, and we can make people in our image. Then the Father holds up his hand and says, Son, you know what that means? Jesus says, Yes, Father. I'll have to go down there and die to give the people a way to have their sins forgiven and to be able to spend eternity with us. <clears throat> and the Father responds, I'll send you when the time is right. Now, I know that sounds pretty fictional, but I firmly believe that it was the plan long, long before creation. I want to give you that same passage from the message where it says, Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we're of no use whatever to him. But God knew what we needed, and he knew only he could provide it. 
and that was Jesus. And like Paul said in this message, we were helpless. We were powerless. Like the last line in verse 8 says in the NIV, while we were still sinners, and I like what it says in the message, while we were of no use whatever to him. Okay, God took us when, you know, we couldn't accomplish anything for him. But God, God knows us and he still loves us. Paul continued on this note in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, telling the Corinthians of the mighty power and wisdom of God, starting in verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 1. Paul says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish of the world to shame the wise. But God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. But God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts boasts in the Lord. Now, I have to admit, I threw a couple extra butts in there, all right? There was one, but I put a couple more in. So it's only because of the Lord and his awesome plan that we can call ourselves his children, adopted into his family through the blood of Jesus Christ. God didn't wait for us to become good enough because it would never happen. Like Paul said, God chose the unwise, the common people, the weak. God chose the yous and the me's of the world. Why? Like Paul said, to shame the wise, to shame the strong. And it's kind of like this. You and I may know of or remember the bullies in school. And once in a while, the kid getting bullied rise up and whoops the bully. Okay? The wise, the powerful, and the noble sometimes, maybe often, are the bullies in some way. And I know that God loves the underdog. He loves bullies too, but he wants to rise, raise up the underdog to become victorious in him. God chooses the side of the underdog, you know, the, the you and me, and he gives us victory. But God. You know, right now, you may be enduring a difficult situation. Maybe unfaithfulness in your spouse or a business partner, whoever it may be. Maybe you're really struggling financially. You know, I know a lot of people with this pandemic are for different reasons. Or maybe you've got that problem child that's, you know, just causing you a lot of grief. And 
maybe, you know, you have a job, but, you know, it's not really paying the bills, or maybe you've lost, lost your job. Maybe you're looking for work. I mean, you know, every fast food place you go by has a sign out. And, you know, you can take that job. And in my mind, you need to take that job. But, you know, it's, you know, beneath you in your training and your education and all. But, you know, it's really not making it. Well, God knows your struggle and God knows your strength. In Isaiah 41, we're given the assurance that we need God's faithfulness in those times. In Isaiah 41.10, excuse me, he said, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God will never be closer to you than when you need him the most. You may not see him. You may struggle to, to feel him. But you got to know that he's there. In Deuteronomy 31 and Hebrews 13, it tells us this. Never, 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 never will I leave you. Never. Never will I forsake you. God keeps his promises. Let me share part of a song with you. It's called I'm Alive, a big daddy weave. It says, I was dead in my transgressions, wandering in sin. I went searching for redemption down the road that had no end. I was walking through this fire. I was living on the run. With my flesh lost in desire, I was drowning in the flood. But God, rich in mercy, you came to save me. Now I'm alive. But God, strong and mighty, you reached down for me so I could rise. Now I'm alive. I'm far from being perfect. There are days that I regret. On this battlefield, I struggle with the lies that I've lived. I have fallen short of glory. I can't make it on my own. If you kept record of my past, I'd be sinking like a stone. But God, rich in mercy, you came to save me. Now I'm alive. But God, strong and mighty, you reached down for me so I could rise. Now I'm alive. No matter what you're going through today, or will experience in the future, but God. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks that you are always watching us. You always know what's going on in our lives. You always know what we need and when we need it. That's why you sent Jesus at just the right time. So, Father, some listening to this may need that but God in their life right now because of what they're going through. <coughs> so, Father, I just pray that you'll send them the strength that they need, that, Lord, you'll guide them in the right direction. You'll help them to remove things from their lives that need to be removed and that they can draw closer to you because that's where you want them. You want them right there, right side by side, 
hand in hand. So, Father, I just pray that they will find that but God moment in their lives. And Lord, if there's anyone listening to this that doesn't know you and they are searching for something in the wrong ways, the wrong places, let them know that you're there for them and that right now, today, is just the right time that they need you in their lives. And so, Father, help them to pray a prayer like this. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. I know you sent Jesus, your Son, as my Savior. He died for my sins. He rose from the dead and he's coming again. Forgive me for all my sins and let me be your child, a child of the King, but God. In Jesus' name, amen.